This is Tailgate Tillmay, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to have a little action on the games, then this is the place for you because I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I love both of those things too. I am recording this episode at about 4.15 p.m. Eastern Time, just after the conclusion of Michigan's 30-24 to win over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Another great version of this historic rivalry as the Michigan Wolverines come out on top for the third straight year. They will be going to the Big Ten Championship game for the third straight year, and they will be playing for their third straight Big Ten title. So I'm going to do a little bit of an instant reaction episode here and break down the big game of the day. This was the big one. This was the top five matchup. And once again, Michigan comes out on top. Ohio State, just for a little recap, Ohio State has a chance to go and win the game. They have one drive left uh, down 30 to 24. The defense actually gets a very nice stop on Michigan's final possession. Uh, they had a third and six. The Ohio State defense comes up with a sh- with a stop. Michigan runs the ball. Then Michigan comes out and they pretend like they're gonna run a play on fourth down. Uh, try to draw Ohio State offsides. Michigan ultimately ends up kicking a field goal to give them a six point lead, which is big for me, big for anybody who bet Michigan because Michigan was up three at that time. And that gives them the six point lead to cover both the three and a half that was out there this week, as well as the five and a half that I grabbed a couple weeks ago and just get that win by the skin of my teeth. But Ohio state gets that stop. They have one last drive. They start moving the ball down the field McCord completes a a big pass to Marvin Harrison for just over 20 yards and then completes another pass to Julian Fleming for 21 yards Fleming fumbles but it's recovered by Emeka Agbuka on the very next play McCord throws an interception to end the game and that's it Michigan wins so coming out of this game my main takeaway really is that this game was pretty even. These two teams didn't seem drastically different to me. It reminds me, honestly, a lot of how I felt coming out of Oregon-Washington. I felt like these two teams were very similar. I felt like Oregon and Washington were very similar, both very good teams, and that one team just came out on top. In that instance, Washington was able to make a few more plays and come out on top. In this instance, Michigan was able to make the plays and come out on top, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that in both cases, it was the home team that came out on top. I really came into this game expecting Michigan to look like and to be the far better football team in this game. And that's not really what I came away thinking. I came away thinking these are easily both top six teams in the country, but I thought they played a very similar game. I thought they played a very close game and I didn't, I don't leave this game at all saying that Michigan just blew them out. And that's kind of how I felt certainly two years ago when Michigan just ran the ball down their throat last year. I thought they played a little closer on a down to down basis. I thought it was a little closer than the final score 
indicated, but ultimately it was hard to ignore those big plays that Michigan hit in that game and and the final score of that game. But this year, I felt like on a down-to-down basis, it was a very even game. On the scoreboard, it ended up being a very even game. Michigan winning by less than, winning by six points. So what was the difference? What was the difference in this game? Well, to me, it was two things. One team, Ohio State, had a quarterback who threw two interceptions. That was a huge part of this. Early in this game, Michigan was not really moving the football. On Michigan's first two offensive series, they go three and out both times, gain five yards on that first possession, eight yards on that second possession. Not a lot going on. Not a lot going on for either team offensively. The first four possessions, we went punt, 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 punt. And then that fifth possession of the game, Ohio State's third possession of the game, Kyle McCord throws an interception. Will Johnson picks him off. Uh, You can say, I I think certainly there was some blame on Marvin Harrison that he maybe could have done a little bit more on that throw as well, but I I think there's some shared blame there, but they turn the ball over. They, They give the ball to Michigan in prime scoring area, uh, Michigan takes over at the Ohio State seven yard line and Ohio State on defense actually does a really nice job holding him out of the end zone. They go three Blake Corum runs in a, in a row on the third down. It looked really close to him getting in. They spot the ball inside the one. They give it to Corum again and he gets in the end zone and Michigan goes up early seven to nothing. And I, I thought that was a huge turning point in the game. I thought it would have been huge for Ohio state to get on the board first and get some momentum early, but the turnover cost them. And then of course, to end the game, Ohio State was driving down the field. They had completed two passes of 20 yards or more, something they only did six total times in that in this game. This was not a game of explosive plays. Ohio State had six total plays of 20 yards or more. Michigan had just five. So on that last possession... For Ohio State to go right out there and complete two big passes was huge. They were marching down the field. They had the ball on Michigan's 37-yard line, and then they throw that pick. Now, on the flip side of things, I thought J.J. McCarthy had an excellent game. There is one throw in this game, and it was the the touchdown to Roman Wilson. And I guess we should talk about that play and that call. So J.J. McCarthy throws a touchdown pass to Roman Wilson. On the field, it was ruled a touchdown, and it gave Michigan a 14-3 lead. But you could make the case that the ball was actually intercepted the ruling on the field is that Roman Wilson caught the ball uh, had become a runner and then crossed the goal line before Ohio State gained possession of the football if they had ruled that Roman Wilson had not yet gained possession that would have been an Ohio State interception and that game could have changed dramatically from there so uh, I I, you know I, I really don't I didn't feel super strongly about it. I feel like the fact that they called it a touchdown on the field made it hard to overturn that call, but I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have gone nuts if they had decided to overturn that and and call it an interception. I could have seen that one going either way, but that's not the point. That's neither here nor there. But my point I want to make on this is that JJ McCarthy under pressure through an 
absolute dime into a small window. And, you know, the stats might not reflect it. Let me bring his stats up here because it's not eye-popping numbers by any means on the day. Yeah, high completion percentage. He goes 16 to 20, but it's only for 148 yards. He doesn't even hit 150 yards on the day, but he made big plays when big plays were needed. That touchdown to Roman Wilson being one great example, used his legs on another uh, on another drive to extend a drive. Uh, McCarthy is a mobile quarterback. He has really good legs, and he did look like he was healthier than he was last week against Maryland. So I thought the quarterback battle, uh, Michigan had the clear upper hand in this one. McCarthy doesn't th- doesn't give the ball away at all. He makes some big plays when needed. He didn't make mistakes, and you compare that to Kyle McCord's two interceptions, and I, I think it was clear that was one of the big differences in this game. Now, there's one other thing that I will say led to Michigan winning this game, and I think it's the way that each coach managed the game. On the one side, with Sharon Moore and Michigan, you had an approach that was very aggressive. It felt like Sharon Moore trusted his team to execute the way he wanted them to in short yardage situations in fourth down situations. Michigan goes three of three on a fourth down on the day. And it felt like a lot of the play calling, even on third down was designed with that notion in mind that, okay, we're going to go for it on fourth down. So let's pick up a few here. Let's get ourselves in a fourth and one situation because we have the utmost confidence that we can go out and execute in a fourth and short situation. That same touchdown drive where Roman Wilson caught that touchdown pass to put them up 14 to three, they converted on two different fourth downs, one fourth down at Ohio State's 39 and then another fourth down at Ohio State's 29. And this play I love. They ran a play action pass to Colston Loveland. I thought that was a great play call there because they had already uh, converted earlier on that drive on a fourth and one. They ran the ball. They get it. They go play action on the next play and they get a nice easy possession there I I felt like Sharon Moore had the utmost confidence and trust in his team to go out and execute in those situations and that's exactly what they did because Michigan was not outstanding by any means on third down three of 12 on third down but they were three of three on fourth down they got every fourth down that they went for and I thought that was a huge difference in the game especially when you look at how Ryan Day and Ohio State handled the situation they had at the end of the half at the end of the first half. So at the end of the first half, Michigan pins Ohio State at their own two-yard line. And Ohio State, to their credit, did a really nice job of getting out of that situation. They got a big pass play. I think there was a penalty. No, there wasn't a penalty on that play. That was on that drive. That was a different that was a different drive that, that there was the penalty, but they complete a big pass play. Marvin Harrison comes up huge. They get to the Michigan side of the field. They get to the Michigan side of the field after starting at their own two yard line with 323 left in the half. Couple, uh, an incomplete pass, a short completion brings up a third down. And on third down, 
Ohio State doesn't get everything they need, but they get close. They get to a fourth and two situation. And I don't know exactly how much time was on the clock still in that situation. I want to say it was about 35 seconds or so. Uh, I want to say, and you know what, looking at this ESPN box score here, I don't, th- there wasn't 323 when they got to Michigan's 42 because they started that drive with 323 left. So something's a little funky with the ESPN box score here, but I think the the bottom line is they start that, that drive with about three and a half minutes to go and they get to Michigan's 34 with a fourth and two situation with, I think about 35 ish seconds left in the half. And what they do is they decide to kick a 52 yard field goal or attempt a 52 yard field goal. Ultimately they missed the field goal that would have made it 13 to 14. And I just thought it showed a a real lack of aggression on Ryan's day on Ryan day's part. And it's kind of been the opposite of what he had preached all year. When you think about that Notre Dame game and you think about how fired up he was after that one and how much that win meant to them and him and that program. And he talked about the toughness, it's like, okay, you are in the biggest game of the year. You are in the game. You have lost this game two years in a row, and you don't feel confident enough to go for it on fourth and two and really try to go and score a touchdown and put some pressure on Michigan. Yeah, points are always great, but a 52-yarder is no sure thing. And I really felt like in this game, Ohio State was going to have to put some pressure on Michigan to make big plays in the passing game, to not just be able to rely on Blake Corum getting three, four yards at a time. And I felt like that was a really big missed opportunity here for Ohio State to not go for it and try to go for a touchdown and to put some real pressure on Michigan and that Michigan offense. Uh, Because in years past, I don't think anybody would have thought it's just a departure from what we've seen from Ryan Day in years past and even in earlier this season. But in years past, you always think about the Ohio State offense as an offense that can score anytime with any amount of time left that's aggressive, that's going to go for it. And that that wasn't the case, particularly on that last possession of the first half. And I feel like that was something, that mindset, that approach is really something that led to Ohio State losing this game, Michigan winning this game. Now, I don't know if those two things are related, right? Having Kyle McCord as the starting quarterback versus having J.J. McCarthy as the starting quarterback. If Ryan Day had C.J. Stroud as his starting quarterback, would he have approached it more aggressively? Or did he feel like he had to manage around Kyle McCord? And did he have to manage around the fact that he has an inexperienced quarterback who's playing in his first game at the big house who did throw two picks on the day? Uh, But I feel like that leads to a larger discussion around if that's what you, if that's how you feel about your quarterback, then maybe you need to figure something out earlier in the season. 
I said a couple weeks ago, I felt like Ohio State still had a high ceiling. I think it was after that Penn State game because of the fact that their defense did look so much better than it did a year ago. It seemed like it had really turned into the strength of their team and that they still had so much talent on that offensive side of the ball. Of course, Marvin Harrison, the best receiver, if not maybe the best player in the country, is on that offense. Uh, Mecca Buka, another great receiver. And then you had Kyle McCord, who was a young developing quarterback. And I feel like, and this will bring me to this whole Ryan Day conversation that is now going to dominate the next six months of college football talk. Uh, or longer than that, it's going to dominate the whole next offseason. It's probably going to dominate conversation among Ohio State fans for the next 365 days because. He's now lost three in a row. But it brings me, you know, in that conversation about Ryan Day, I think if you want to criticize something, the development of Kyle McCord and this offense over the course of the season, I feel like there was an opportunity to reach a higher ceiling offensively. I feel like there was an opportunity in this particular game to be more aggressive. And I feel like those two things are directly correlated. I feel like it's possible that Ryan Day didn't feel like he could be more aggressive because he didn't fully trust his quarterback. He didn't fully trust Kyle McCord. And look, I I hate sitting here... And, and criticizing a player, but it was very clear to me on this day that Kyle McCord was not C.J. Stroud. Certainly wasn't C.J. Stroud last year, the last year's version of C.J. Stroud, but he also, I don't think, was the C.J. Stroud that we saw in his first season as a starter, which I believe was 2021. Yeah, that 2021 season. Uh, at no point during this season did I feel like Kyle McCord was on the same level that C.J. Stroud was in that 2021 season. Uh, so that's that's a tough look. It's a tough look for Ohio State that has become so known for developing quarterbacks and receivers and having this high-flying, uh, high-firepower offense. And now they get the defense in order. And I have to give a ton of credit to that defense because they played really well. I talked about how they didn't allow explosive plays. I, I talked about that stop they got on third down late in the fourth quarter when it looked like Michigan was just going to bully ball them and run the clock out and never let them get a chance to get the ball back. And, you know, I think if you ask Ohio State fans, they would say, if we can get that fixed, if we can get that cleaned up, we're not worried about the offensive side of the ball. And now I don't think you need to worry about the offensive side. There's levels to all of this, right? I don't think you need to worry about the offensive side of the ball like it's going to fall to the the mid-tier of the Big Ten. But I think when you talk about winning national titles, and, and right now Michigan is their impediment to winning national titles, that now the thing that they do need to figure out is how they can put this all together and not just have a good defense, not just have a good offense, but have an excellent offense 
and an excellent defense. Because as much as we talked about Georgia's defense the past couple years as as they have won back-to-back national titles, that offense has been damn good. And Ohio State has to figure out a way to be excellent on both sides of the ball. So I think that's where some of that soul-searching is going to need to come in in this offseason for Ohio State figuring out why didn't this offense ever reach its peak? Why didn't it reach its ceiling? Is it Kyle McCord? How can we improve with Kyle McCord? How can we help him grow his game? They're going to be losing Marvin Harrison next year. That's going to be a huge loss. So what does that offense look like next year? Do they need to go out in the portal and get some receivers in the transfer portal uh, to replace some of the guys that they will be losing? Is Kyle McCord the guy that they want to hitch their wagon to next year? I think those are a lot of the questions that they're going to need to answer. Now, to get to the Ryan Day piece, let's just go over some of the facts with Ryan Day. Ryan Day is now 56 and 7 is in his career at Ohio State. He has coached five full regular seasons now. Well, 2020, I hesitate to call that a full regular season, but it, it, he coached all of that season. And then he has a few games on his record in 2018. That's a year where both he and Urban Meyer uh, coached. So he had filled in for Urban Meyer in a few games that season. But he is 56 and 7. He is 40 and 0 versus the rest of the Big Ten over that time. And he is one in three versus Michigan. That leaves four other losses. And they have all come in the college football playoff, except for one. In 2019, they lost to Clemson in the CFP semifinal. In 2020, they lost to Alabama in the national title game. In September 2021, they lost to Oregon in a non-conference game at home in September. And then last year, of course, they lost that classic to Georgia. It is, it's so hard to evaluate Ryan Day because on the one hand, yes, he is 56 and 7. But on the other hand, we are seeing this separation in college football where there are very clearly 10 to 15 haves, and then the rest of the sport is made up of have-nots. And outside of that top 15, yeah, you have teams that can, you know, crack it every now and then. TCU making a national title game last year is a great example. But there are 15 or so programs that recruit at the level where they can expect to compete for national titles. And they beat Penn State, who I don't think is a... I'm not sure... Yeah, I guess you'd consider Penn State among that group, although they never seem to win big games. We know we know about all that with them. So they beat Penn State, but they are not beating Michigan. They've won one college ball playoff game uh, in, the, in the Ryan Day era. It said they lost to Clemson in the semis in 2019, and they lost to Georgia in the semi last year. They didn't make the national title game in 2020, but it seems like Ohio State is continuously losing to teams that are on their level, that are in that top 15. So I understand why an Ohio State fan would be frustrated by that. I think Ohio State fans feel completely different about Ryan Day and this whole era if they win that Georgia game last year. Because if they win that Georgia game last year, they they go and win that TCU game. Look, I love what TCU did last year, but we saw what Georgia ended up doing to them, and I think that looks very similar to what Ohio State would have ended up doing to them. 
Ohio State fans view Ryan Day completely differently. And I get why they're frustrated. I also get anybody who wants to defend this 56-7 and record. I honestly feel terrible for Ryan Day because I think in a way, he did a lot of what he said he would do over the last two years. That defense is worlds, worlds, worlds better. It's a top five defense in the country but it's the offensive side of the ball that took this step back. And that's really a hard pill to swallow when you have Marvin Harrison on your team. That is a hard pill to swallow for Ohio State fans. So look, if I'm Ohio State, if I'm Gene Smith, no, I'm not firing Ryan Day. There's no way I'm advocating to fire Ryan Day. But I do 100% understand why Ohio State fans are frustrated, I do understand that because there are a very few teams in this country that have the history, the tradition, the recruiting success over the last few years that Ohio State has. They expect to compete at a certain level. They are one of the few schools who can reasonably expect to compete at that level. And it does seem right now, with the exception of when they play Penn State, they are losing to everybody who is on that same tier. So I get it. I get it, Ohio State fans. I get the frustration. But this guy also has you in a position where you are a top five recruiting program every year, where your game, where your season is coming down to one or two games. So no, in good conscience, I cannot advocate for moving on for Ryan, from Ryan Day right now, but I do understand the frustration from Ohio State fans. And next year will be interesting because he's going to be presumably still the coach there. And they're going to be going into this 12-team playoff era. And it's not going to be this situation where you have to beat Michigan or your season's over. And even last year, they didn't beat Michigan. They got into the playoff. But going forward, I mean, if this game happens next year, if this season plays out in a similar manner next year, these two teams are playing next week in the Big Ten championship game, and they get another shot at it. Now, there is a question to be raised about Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA coming in. The conference is going to get a lot harder because I mentioned it. Oregon is one of those teams that Ohio State has lost to. Oregon is another team that does reside, I think, on that same level as Michigan and Ohio State. So they might present a challenge. And I think in that case, if they come into the league and Ohio State starts losing to Oregon, and we start to see a little bit of a trend where it's like, okay, right now you are playing one to two teams every year that are on your tier, that are on your level, and you are losing a lot of those games. You are losing most of those games. If we get a bigger sample size where you're now playing Oregon, and I don't know their schedule offhand for next year, see if we can bring it up here. But if they start losing to Michigan and Oregon in the same season, and wow, next year they do go to Outson Stadium in mid-October. They go to Penn State in the beginning of November, and then they host uh, Michigan to end the season. If the, if the, if they go out next year 
and they lose two of those three games, then yeah, I think we're starting to see that maybe there's something more to this. But until that point, I'm not there yet. So it's going to be interesting to see. Look, this conference is going to be harder for everybody. It's going to be harder for the teams at the bottom. It's going to be harder for the teams in the middle. And it's even going to be harder for the teams at the top, like Michigan and Ohio State. Right now, Ohio State is essentially able to build their entire season around one or two games, really one game. And it's the last week of the year. And now they're going to be faced with some more challenges. So Ohio State fans, I get it. I get the frustration. I get why you would be upset. But I think if there's one thing that you you should be upset about, it's the fact that this offense never reached its peak this season. And that's what Ryan Day and Ohio State are going to have to go figure out in the offseason. Now, let's finish up quickly here by just talking about Michigan. They go to the Big Ten Championship game next week. They survived this three-game stretch without Jim Harbaugh. Uh, They are going for their third straight Big Ten title. They're going for their third straight trip to the college football playoff. And they could... Get the number one overall seed. That is certainly within the realm of possibility. I still want to see Michigan play a game where they really have to throw the ball. If somebody can make Michigan throw the ball, I like J.J. McCarthy a lot. I think he can handle it. We just haven't seen it yet. Today, Michigan ran the ball 39 times. They threw the ball 21 times. I I really want to see Michigan play in that kind of game because I always talk about teams that are national championship caliber teams can play left-handed. They can win a variety of ways. And, you know, it's to Michigan's credit, they haven't had to do that. But I am so, so curious about what it looks like if they do. And so I think a Washington-Michigan college football playoff matchup would be super entertaining. An Oregon-Michigan college football playoff matchup would be super entertaining. I think J.J. McCarthy can win a game like that. I'm always impressed by him, honestly. I think he's grown a lot year over year. That throw I talked about was one of those plays that, that impressed me so much. I was a little surprised, given Sharon Moore's aggressiveness in this game, that at the end of the game, on Michigan's last offensive possession, that they didn't go for it on third down. It was a third and medium, uh, or I'm sorry, not didn't go for it. They didn't give J.J. McCarthy the option to throw the ball. Uh, I felt like he had made enough plays that he was trustworthy enough that they could have given him the opportunity to try to end this game. So that's my one remaining question mark with Michigan. You know, I I think their defense is great. I think their defense is a clearly a top five defense in the sport. I think it's probably the second best defense in the country behind Michigan or behind uh, Iowa rather. Now, the other question maybe that's going to come up now for Michigan is there is uh, one of their offensive linemen, their right guard, Zach Zinter, went out with an injury. He's a guy that's just been a stalwart on their offensive line, one of the best interior linemen in the country. He went out with a leg injury. Who knows what that means or what the future holds for him? Uh, But, you know, the way that, it looked the way that he was carted off. I, I mean, I don't know that 
I, I can't sit here and assume that he's going to be back for a college ball playoff run. So maybe that's a big question for a team that relies so much on running the ball and their physicality in the trenches. So that's something to watch out for from a Michigan side. All in all, at the end of the day, I leave this game feeling like these are both very clearly top six teams in the country. Michigan made more plays. Uh, Michigan didn't turn the ball over. Michigan was the more aggressive team. And Michigan is now going to go play for a Big Ten championship. They have beaten Ohio State for the third time. And they are in all likelihood going to be going to the college ball playoff as long as they can get by Iowa. I don't have much concern about whether they're going to get by Iowa or not. They're going to be about a three-touchdown favorite in that game and Iowa just cannot score. So not too worried about that one, especially given what they did to them a season ago. Uh, but look, I think this is the best rivalry in college sports right now. Uh, it's one of my favorite games of every single season. And this one really delivered today. So that's my instant reaction of Michigan's 30 to 24 win over the Ohio State Buckeyes. That's our show. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold.